0: Pop your collars. It's Village Vice. He is Zach Blackerby. You don't have a collar. He's collarless, Zach Blackerby. I'm Brad Law. It is the bye week, and we're talking Auburn football. And, Zach, I got to know, now that you've had a couple days to process it, how much did it hurt? How much does the Georgia loss hurt? Not how much did it hurt. How much does it hurt today, a couple of days removed? I ask this question because it's been a topic in our office today. Yeah. Does this one hurt a little bit, or does it hurt a lot, and why? What do you think? Uh, Watching the game again, it hurts worse,
1: because Auburn should have won that game. The fact that it was so close, and Auburn didn't do a whole lot offensively outside of running the football, uh, I mean, this is just one that was kind of gifted to you. I think gifted to you by the play of this Auburn defense, and I think this coaching staff, and the execution just wasn't really there in the passing and receiving game. So, yeah, this isn't a situation where, like, we get farther away from the game and it hurts less, for me anyway. Uh, I I think this one still hurts a ton. Want
0: to know our viewers' thoughts in the comments. Compare it to a loss. Like, it hurts less than this game or more than this game. 2019 Georgia, does this one hurt more or hurt less than that one? I think it hurts – more because you you look at what this game could
1: have been Brad I mean this could have been the launching point for the Hugh Freeze era at Auburn this could have been something where all of a sudden all of you know national football conversations are about what Auburn did to Georgia over the weekend heading into a bye week with all of the energy in the world going into it and then all of a sudden you know and we'll talk about LSU for a second towards the end of the show but you know, you go into that game, I think, with kind of, you know, some proof that you do belong in the top half of the best conference in college football on a year in, year out basis. So I think this one's worse than 2019 Georgia.
0: Okay. I'm going to, I think the opposite. Okay. I think, I think everything that you just said this game could have been, it was to the people who matter. I think that national pundits talking about Auburn and what they were able to do and pulling this big upset, yeah, there's there's no question there's a value to that, and I don't want to, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to rain on that parade. That's valuable. But to the recruits who were there, to the fans who watched it, the ones who are the most invested in the program, I, I think it was a blueprint. I think it was a statement. I think everybody comes away from that game saying, wait until the talent is the same. Uh, You better get, and I've seen literally the quote, you better get Auburn now. Because if they're able to do that against the number one team, the two-time defending national champion, the team hadn't lost in 600 days. Sure. When they don't have equal talent, they're a problem when they have it. I I think you accomplish everything. Almost everything that you wanted to accomplish or that you would have accomplished with a win, even in the loss. And maybe that maybe that's looking through orange and blue colored glasses. I thought 2019 hurt way worse because you made the big comeback. You had the ball. You had a wide open fourth down play. I mean, a wide yeah. open fourth down play. You'll never convince me as long as I live that Auburn doesn't go down and score and tie the game and then win in overtime because yeah. the defense had had awakened, and it was a much different game down the stretch. And at that point, Auburn was still a top 25 team. Yeah, They had battled tooth and nail with LSU. They had, you know, they had beaten beat Ole Miss in 19. They had absolutely ransacked Mississippi State in 19. The games that those upper echelon, their losses were games where you looked and go, man, they're like three plays away from being undefeated. In 19. And it was just crushing. And it and it helped Georgia continue to ascend. They had already played for a national championship. They had not yet won one. But it was, I I thought you had two true close to equal behemoths going at it in that Mm -hmm. game. Yeah. This game was Auburn punching up, and it punched up relentlessly for three hours. What does make it hurt a little more? And this is through the conversation that we had in the office today. I've now come to sum up the game with one sentence, and it does make it hurt a little bit more. Okay. It's not that Auburn got outplayed by a little bit in all 22 like one-on-one matchups. If Georgia doesn't have Brock Bowers, Auburn wins the game. Mm-hmm. Auburn outplayed Georgia just about everywhere else on the field, but they had the playmaker catching balls. And Auburn didn't have an answer for him. You take Brock Bowers away, Auburn wins the game, plain and simple. That's that that does sting a little bit.
1: Yeah, and that's what you hope that you're getting in five star Perry Thompson, right? Yeah. Just a guy that we talked about this on the on the live show yesterday, Brad, where every now and then you get one of these guys and it's like you can game plan for him, but eventually he's gonna pop off and get his own. Yeah. Perry Thompson seems like that type of player. Heck, Bryce Kane. To me, seems like that kind of player, Malcolm Simmons. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are coming to Auburn in the near future that have the chance to be that at some point in their career before they leave Auburn. And look, you know, Auburn's still fighting for Cam Coleman. I don't think yeah. that's off the table either. And some people think Auburn's more likely to get him to this point than the school that he's committed to, Texas A&M. So we'll see, we'll see. But you're right, Brock Bowers is—he's a problem. Mm-hmm. He's also not going to be at Georgia for much longer, right? <laughs> well, Auburn yeah. won't play against them again unless uh, something crazy happens and they play them in the championship game. So you're right though. You're right. Auburn outplayed Georgia in most spots because you don't get in that situation. You don't, you don't have the lead for most of that game. Yeah. if That's not the case there. And that's, that's on effort.
0: Yeah. And that's on coaching. There was nothing fluky about the game. There weren't any tipped passes that fall right into guys' hands. There weren't, you know, th- there was nothing fluky. Defense set up two touchdowns. Great. That's on the defense. They earned those short fields for the offense.
1: Brad, um, I saw something that said the only reason Auburn was close was because of the the two interceptions, the two turnovers by the defense. And it's like, well, yeah, that's why turnovers are so important. Auburn was on the wrong side of that against Cal. That's why it was so close. And yeah. that's why turnovers are so, so, so important. You're right. They weren't fluky. They weren't bad at passes.
0: Jalen Simpson was better than other people on yeah. Saturday. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And and like it has to work both ways. We're saying Auburn lost the game because Brock Bowers was better. He was just better. Well, they should have tried this. Should have. Uh, okay, fine. At the end of the day, dude was going to make plays. I don't want to completely just regurgitate what we said in the live show, but yeah, Auburn outplayed Georgia at most. Positions on the field. Marcus Harris dominated the defensive line. Jalen McLeod played a great game. Yeah. Um, Larry Nixon had his most physical game from the linebacker spot. There's a lot to come away with defensively. Could they get pass rush on all those monsters? No, they couldn't get a pass rush. They made Car- Carson Beck had the comfort uh, had the comfort level all day mm. to sit back, trust his receivers, trust his timing because he knew he wasn't going to get touched. Yeah. So. The offensive line for Georgia won the battle in that regard. But when they tried to run the ball, especially between the tackles, wasn't happening. That's not a fluke. That's Auburn's defensive line outplaying Georgia's offensive run blocking. There's so much to come away with. Fine-tune during the bye week. Work mm-hmm. on during the bye week. Continue to get better. And again, as, as many have said after this game, there's a thousand reasons why. You're really optimistic looking at the second half of the schedule. I'm
1: with you. I'm with you, Brad. And we'll talk about this bye week. Can you mention there's a thousand reasons why to feel good about the rest of the schedule? There's also a thousand reasons why you should check out our friends at mybookie.ag. And when you sign up for a free account at mybookie.ag to wager on all of your favorite sports action, because boy, this is a great time Mm -hmm. of year, by the way. Great time of year. You got your NFL season. You got your college football season. Yeah, you do. you've got uh, you've got postseason baseball starting tomorrow, which is the best kind of baseball, may I add? Uh, chop on, absolutely. But be sure to check out our friends at MyBookie.ag, and when you make that deposit, use promo code Next Round to get a little extra cheddar to throw on the Braves or the Tigers or whoever you're pulling for to win. MyBookie.ag When you look at the bye week, Brad, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday as well. I put up on auburndaily.com. You can check it out. Three goals, three goals for the Auburn Tigers during the bye week. And I think all three of them are very obtainable, which is exciting. So the first is to get healthy. I mean, there's so many guys that have just been banged up. They're playing through a lot of stuff. Jalen McLeod's probably the best example of this and he missed some time. But Jalen McLeod, we don't know what 100% Jalen McLeod looks like on this team because he's kind of been fighting from behind physically just because he got banged up towards the end of fall camp. Really un, really unfortunate timing with his injury. Yeah. Nick Mardner is another guy who we heard good things about all fall camp, consistently lined up with the ones, and then he got hurt at like the worst time he possibly could. We saw him late in the game against Georgia. They threw to him late, and it seemed like there was miscommunication between him and, and Peyton Thorne. But... You know, what does this extra week off look like for those guys? And you've got the guys with the bigger injuries, like like Keontae Scott, Austin Keys, Damari Austin. I don't know if you're going to get any of those guys back in time to go to LSU, right? but these these dudes who have been battling through a lot of pain, Auburn's defensive front seven is really, really banged up. They're playing through a lot of injuries right now. I think this week off could help them a ton.
0: I think there's no question, and coaches always have to wrestle with that Question Is do you like how much time off do you give them during a bye week? How physical are you the rest of the way? Games are going to be physical for the final seven weeks, October 14th through November 25th, and you have a game every week in that stretch. And all but one are conference games. I mean, you're gonna there aren't really breaks in that schedule unless you consider New Mexico State a, a break, but otherwise, there's no real break. Mm-hmm. In that schedule, so how much do you push, guys? Do you can you afford to let them, you know, have three, four days where they're not out there practicing the physicality of the game? Because you don't want to get rusty. You still have to practice the physicality of the game. Totally. Um, but you, you also need bodies. You're going to need bodies against LSU. You're sure going to need bodies in the secondary, especially against Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Um, that game particularly you're going to need guys in the secondary as healthy as you can get them. So, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's a worthy number one on the list. Yep. A lot of
1: um a lot of offense coming auburn's way for sure. The second's the quarterback situation. And look, if you're going to make a change now it's time to do it. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm sure it'll be somewhat discussed, but more so the the quarterback rotation. And look, it's hard to nail down a quarterback rotation in the timing and all that. That's why nobody really does it you don't yeah. see it a whole lot and when you do see it it's simply not a good thing for the offense because it's so hard and it takes so long to really figure out exactly what you need to do and i think saturday was closer brad i don't fully understand why they took him out why they took robbie out after he was in on third down and then if it's fourth and one you take him out um i don't get it i don't understand it that's kind of why i feel, thought you would install that package for robbie ashford yeah so um whatever the quarterback situation is however you want to spread out those snaps and if it is make a change i don't think it's time for that i think peyton showed enough on saturday to to warrant more time but if you were i mean that quarterback snaps that's all going to be discussed at length amongst the coaching staff and i'm sure amongst the quarterbacks this week that's something you got to nail down
0: i think the passing game in general whether it's peyton or robbie they've got to get more in sync with the wide receivers going forward lack of of playmakers at that position has cost auburn in some spots and you know it didn't matter against texas a&m to a great degree i mean there were there were a few plays that might have made that game it certainly would have looked different um maybe it makes a difference against georgia um mm-hmm. so probably does and again it's uh, when you have a, a starting quarterback who wasn't here in the spring there really is only so much work that you can do in the summer and in fall camp. So, you have to take every practice, every possible opportunity, by week or no by week, to try to get the receivers. Half of the receiving core is also brand new. Right. And it's people want so badly to go, well, they're not new now. They've been here for, yeah, but relative to the secondaries they face, relative to other receiving core and quarterback combos, they're still playing catch up. So, you got to get valuable reps in every single practice in the passing game, if you hope to be able to make the, like it doesn't just magically happen. You got to rep it and rep it and rep it and rep it to be able to be in a spot to make those plays in the second half of the schedule.
1: Yeah. And then the third one is just the connection between Hugh freeze and offensive coordinator, Phillip Montgomery. I think that's crucial. And you're seeing those guys get more and more on the same page every week. It seems, I think the Texas A&M situation was a major wake up call for coach freeze and yep. now it almost feels like it's going to be his offense moving forward. He may not be calling plays, yeah, but it's going to be more like his offense. It's like he gave him the keys to his car and it's like you, you wrecked it. You wrecked it. And so now I'm going to make sure I know where you're going. You need to text me what time you leave. You need to tell me when you get there. And, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen with this, uh, you know, offensive game planning Over the bye week, because I'm sure they're going to kind of get a tentative plan. We already talked about the quarterbacks, but they're going to get a tentative plan about how they want to attack LSU and Ole Miss. I'm sure they're going to watch the game from Saturday, that crazy game where over 100 points were scored between the two of those teams, a bunch. And I'm sure they're going to kind of do, you know, a little scouting on both of those teams over the bye week. So um, getting on the same page between Freeze and Montgomery, I think that happens a little bit more this week.
0: Yeah, I think the inner dilemma for Coach Freeze of, of whether to divide the time solely uh or, or to give the time solely to recruiting and and be more hands off i think that's out the window i think they have built a good enough foundation in recruiting that for the rest for the next 2 months all right let's be more hands on with the offense he's still going to work in recruiting for sure uh but yes i think you see his fingerprints on the offense much more just as you saw in the georgia game Yep. LSU is at night before we talk about that. I got to tell you, football is here and it is Mm -hmm. here in a big way. And if you need plays, go to lanceslock.com. You need to do it today. You could get involved in Monday night football, can't you? You can do all kinds of stuff on the, you know, on the Auburn bye week Maybe you watch other games more than you typically would. Right now's the time to get the best price on the monthly and the annual packages. Take you year round uh, all from our friends at lanceslock.com. Sign up today, get the best deal at lanceslock.com. LSU at night. Yeah. I think
1: this hurts Auburn. It seemed like the options were either like 11 o'clock or 6 o'clock, and I guess the technical things are it's either 6 or 6.30, depending on a few things, which is cool, whatever. But regardless, it's going to be later, which I always think the earlier you play a road game, the more it helps the visiting team. Yeah. And this isn't early. It's going to be late. It's going to be a very rowdy environment in Baton Baton. Rouge.
0: Having said that, the last time Auburn played in Baton Rouge was even later than this. Good point. It was an an eight o'clock kick. You can't get, you don't schedule games any later than that at Tiger Stadium. And LSU at the time had a national championship winning coach and Auburn did not have a national championship winning coach. Had a heck of a quarterback but they didn't have a national championship winning coach and Auburn won the ball game. Um, right. We're going to talk plenty about LSU next week to get Ooh. ready for that game. I, I'll i tell you, the most intriguing game on the schedule for me because we're talking Auburn is that LSU-Missouri game up in Columbia at 11 a.m. I think it's at 11, isn't it? 11? Is that the 11 o'clock game? I think it is. Um, that's, I mean, that's really compelling. Is it possible LSU goes back home saddled with back-to-back losses and three losses on the season? Sure, it's possible. It is possible.
1: And what does that
0: do for the crowd? What does that do for the game itself? Mm -hmm. Auburn will come into Baton Rouge motivated, believing, fired up. LSU
1: and Missouri. uh, LSU is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite, so just shy of a touchdown. Boy, that's a lot. It's a lot. The over-under is 63 points, Brad. Tell me you do not trust either team's defense without telling me you don't trust either (laughs) team's defense. So um, for folks that are concerned about Auburn's offense, sure. But once again, can't stress enough. These last two weeks were the toughest two defenses you will play all year long. And we didn't really think that going into it. But LSU and Bama, both defensively, there are a lot of holes. There are a lot of holes, and I think Jarquez Hunter and the running game between Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford will all be
0: okay. Brad, I think that just about does it for today's show. It does. Thanks for watching, everybody. Remember, everyone has vices. Just make sure Village Vice is one of yours.